day, everyone. Welcome back to the ATL Podcast. I am your host, Mappy Davis, and today's guest, you may know him as DJ Smurf. You also may know him as Mr. Kali Park. He came here to the Pittsburgh Yards, which is my new recording studio, home away from home. Uh, He joined me on the porch outside. It was a nice day, and we had a great chat. I got to tell you in advance, this is one of those situations where the host apologizes for some technical difficulties. Now, I hate to do that. It's a tale as old as time in the podcast game, but the rest of this podcast, the content of this conversation, what we got into is so good, there was no way I was going to scrap it or try to recreate it, so you just got to hang in there. There's a somewhat underwater-ish sound to some of my questions, but just hang in there because his answers are fantastic. You will learn a lot. We will get inside the mind of someone that makes uh, some of the most popular tunes that have ever been created. Whistle while you twerk. Crank that. Wobble. Miss New Booty. Whisper song. It goes on and on. We are talking about songs that you are going to hear, I, I think, to the end of time and certainly at, uh, at wedding receptions and parties and everything else. Uh, so he came over here and we had a great chat and I'm going to get it to you right now. Away we go. All right. Well, listen, we're going to get into you, and I'm excited to have this conversation with you. First of all, we're the same age. Okay. It's, it's nice having people with like a similar sensibility. Right. And like you've dealt with money people. Right. You, you've, you've sat in rooms. Right. With, let's just say, older white people with money. Right. <laughs> and, 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 and what I can say is scared money don't make no money. So the people- went in confident, you're the, saying. The, well, no. The, the people came at me confident. The people, when people want you and, and they know what they want, they don't have a problem spending the money because they'd rather spend it and lose than to miss the opportunity. No, but so you make it sound so simple. It is when you got money. But I'm saying for, so, but I'm saying from the, let's say from the artist or from the creator sense who, who are, who are dying to get that money from whoever it is, the film studio, the label, the, you know what I'm saying? Okay. So when you saying, what, what's their attitude going into that room? I'm, I'm saying, you're a guy that's, that's, I'm guessing, figured that out a few times. Well, l- luckily for me, I've always created an, a demand for myself, like before internet, before social media, before all of that. So when you start, when you build your stuff from the ground up and then you can pick that up and take it to somebody or they come to you, like, look, we see what you're doing. We want to be in business with you. You had an advantage in that, in that potential relationship. But if you going to them like, yo, please, I got this idea. Oh, man, you just give me the money and I can show you. You, you had a, you know, that's a harder sell. That's a harder sell. All right. Well, so let's back up a little bit. You went to high school where? I went to high school, College Park, Fellwood High before it became Banneker High. Before it became Banneker yeah. High? Yeah, before okay. that. Because I've spoken to a few Banneker graduates. Yeah, so I was before that. <laughs> so, but but I, was, I was there when it became Banneker. Okay. So I was there... Um, when did it become Banneker? 89? So, yeah. So, you're the class of 90. 91. 91, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, what do your friends call you? How they know me? Yeah. Uh, I've, I've developed friendships throughout my life. So, if you know me as Mike, which is what I was born as, you call me Mike. Right. Only one person calls me Michael. Is it your mom? No, my mom calls me Mike. Okay. My fiance calls me Mike. Oh. Michael. Um, my friends that know me know me from... Mostly, you know, Smurf, Smurf, as far as my industry and people who I met like that. So Smurf, Collie Park is very industry. So only those in the industry call you Collie Park? Nah, nah, 
And, and I can say I have friends that call me Collie Park that I met in the industry, but that was so far down in my my journey that I, I had a whole career before getting to that point. You know what I mean? So those are, are newer relationships and friendship. All right. So I was watching this clip uh, of you earlier, um, and you were talking about uh, you were talking about MC Shadi. Okay. So you worked. Is, was he the first like dude that you yeah. like worked? And and how did that happen? Well, I was in a DJ crew called the J Team, the uh, East Side of Atlanta, Decatur, um, and he was affiliated with that DJ crew. That, you know, it was an East Side thing. <laughs> I started. To I was one freezing off. this morning. Yeah, man. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, man. We're out here on the porch of Pittsburgh, y'all. Feels great out here. Now it feels great. Yeah. Actually, about to, I'm about to get hot in my short sleeve shirt what I'm saying. in a it's, minute. It's toasty. So, you know, we, we, we had mutual. I was in the DJ crew that he was affiliated with before I got, became a, a, a member of the DJ crew called the J Team. And at that time, he was working with, he started out with DJ Man. I'm a, just a huge fan of Shadi at this point. He started out with DJ Man. And then... He went on and got DJ Toomp. Everybody knows who Toomp is. And uh, Mike Fresh, uh, two other DJs. So that was his second set of DJs. So then they stopped working together. And that's when he came to the DJ crew looking for a new DJ. And they recommended me to him. And that's how I met him. And how old were you then? Maybe 17. And what were you listening to? Like? All Booty Shake. All two booty Live shake. Crew. That kind of shit. You had to force. You had to force East Coast shit on me. But the good East Coast shit, it, it wasn't all good back then. Like some of this shit we listen to now and it's classic to me because I'm so South, I couldn't listen to it. But anything with a with a good beat, like your customer, everybody, we we played that. And I'm just giving you giving you examples. Uh, anything with a beat from the East Coast, I could listen to. Like all the the the, uh, the bridges over that kind of shit had a little 808 in it, stuff like that. We we could listen to. But I'm listening to mostly. Down South, uh, uh, Luke Skywalker Records, Vision Records, Foresight Records. These so are you, labels on uh, South Florida. So not LL, not yeah. Grandmaster Flash, well, well, none no, of that stuff. Well, no, I was. Th those were the mainstream artists. Right. But in the 80s, late 80s, you had a lot of that stuff coming out, man. And where I can appreciate it now, I couldn't back then. That's what I'm saying. I was so South. I couldn't listen to that shit. So you didn't like the breaks? Or or even <laughs> even some of the bigger so so like um take Run DMC, for example. I was I gravitated toward the records that they had that had 808 in them. Like records called like Daryl and Joe. It was an album cut on um, I think of the King of Rock or Raising Hand. I can't remember which one of those albums, but uh uh, uh Peter Piper hit with us down here because it had the 808 drums. So the 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 East Coast records that had the 808 drums. I gravitated to all the other stuff. It grew on me. So was it just too slow? The other stuff? No, no, because honestly, everything was so new in those early days. Right. So now before we called it subgenres of hip hop, like Miami bass, it was just music. It was just records. They, they, I think they communicated to us uh, better than the, the records from the East Coast. Because you got to think when the West Coast you know, pop, when the East Coast pop, for a lot of the audience, that was our first exposure to them because we didn't, we weren't jumping on planes and going to New York and jumping on planes and going to LA and even jumping on planes and going to Miami. Right. We connected with these people through the music. So I just think even from a subject matter, them talking about the wolfers in the back of the car and shit like that 
we could relate to because that's what we were doing. Right. They weren't talking about that shit in the East Coast rap or hip hop. But this whole, this whole, what they called the Miami based sound, mm -hmm. like all of that, nobody talks about that when you talk about Atlanta. It like, it starts with Goody Mob. You know what I mean? Like that's where they think it starts. To me, that's one of the biggest injustices of anybody who quote unquote tells the history of, you know, the hip hop scene. Um, I hate the fact that Luke Skywalker is not considered the, the godfather of, of Southern rap uh, labels. You know, he was, to my knowledge, the first person that I looked up to that was on my radar that had a, a label, did tours, uh, distribution, all that shit. Uh, and he's he's never mentioned. He's like, you know, when they think of Miami now, they think of Khaled, and, and which I don't have a problem with it. But when you go to telling the story, you got to start with Luke. Now, those guys from down there, they'll give him respect. But it's like when um, I think VH1 came here and did a, a, an, an Atlanta thing, and, and, and I wasn't in it. And my friends got mad, but I didn't. And maybe I should have. Because if we don't tell these stories, they won't get told, and it, it'll just be well, forgotten. Well, then, then let's talk about that. That's like one of the reasons why you're here. Okay. Because I feel like, you know, once upon a time, there was – so. So I grew up and I'm only hearing like the mainstream stuff. Right. Right. So you have to imagine me in, I mean. Where, what, were, you, where were you from though? So I grew up in Marietta. Okay. So you're from here? Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I was born in Boston, but I grew up in Cobb County. Okay. Right? We okay. did not come to the city. Okay. Unless right. you were going to a concert at the Omni. Right. And it was lock your doors. You're going to the Omni. Right. 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 No doubt. No, let's, let's, I mean, let's, we've let's talked about it. Real. I've talked about on the show a few times how people who live in Atlanta now don't understand it was not a melting pot. Right. We lived in the burbs. Y'all lived down here. We didn't, we didn't well, fucking well, mix. Well, even, even, even with me growing up on the South Side um, in, in College Park slash Union City, I wasn't in the city of right. Atlanta often until I got older. But in my day-to-day, -day, you know, I, I met a girl um, later on in 11th, 12th grade. That's when I started going in the, in, in, in the city city. But before that, if I wasn't in the DJ crew, even on the east side of Atlanta, I had no reason to go over there other than right. to talent shows and shit like that, but not to just on a day to daily basis to kick it. Right. We didn't have cars. We didn't have, all we had was Marta. Right. So that's how we got around back then. So, yeah. So I grew up, I had three older sisters and in my house, it was a lot of, you know, rock. Right. Right. So you're coming out of the 70s of like Led Zeppelin and the Who. And then on the radio at the time, if you look at popular radio in the 80s at the time, you know, there's what is there like maybe Michael Jackson and Bruce Springsteen and yeah. that stuff. So yeah. then which was a great time. Man. No, it's a great when time. I think about, when I think back now that how we just listen to everything, man. And I guess it's, it's a it's a kind of like that now because my daughter, when my daughter gets in the car with me, she's 17, just turned 18. She'll go down the dial and be playing shit I ain't never heard of. But it's a, it's a it's a it's a variety of music, but it's just different to me. Than right. The way that we just died, ingested everything back then. Yeah, if you look, it's a much more diverse, like top 40, if you will. Okay. So then I go to my friend's house for a birthday party, and he has Houdini Escape. Okay, okay. And my mind is blown. Who had 808 drums? <laughs> Friends was 808 drums. Friends, Freaks Come Out at Night. Yep. Right? That was 808 drums. Five minutes of funk. Still one of my favorite songs yep. of all time. Yep. Uh, I try to teach my son that one. And like my mind was, you know, what right. is this? Right. I played it at my house, like in my room. My mother was like, what is this? Okay. Noise. Right. Right. So then you start, you start hearing the, the, the more popular things at the time. But then the history of 
history just gets told. That's my. That's I'm gonna turn my uh, turn it down. Uh, the history that gets told is, you know, there's these guys in the park in New York, and they do their thing, and then Run DMC comes along, and then boom, then a few years later, the West Coast start like that. Everything just gets just these big giant right. headlines, right? And then they kind of skip to, oh, in Atlanta, by the way. There was this basement where these guys, right? Right. But Shadi gets skipped right over. Right. Right. So why don't you talk about kind of that that time? If we're looking at what what see so you graduated ninety one. Yeah, and I, I I actually remember seeing Shadi before I got to work with them. I was at uh, the Fox, and they had a concert, and it was Rockem, um, LL. The first time I had seen Public Enemy on stage, and I I don't even know if I had heard of them. But they were on stage when I walked in, and that shit fucking. Yeah, I might as well have been a, a white kid from the suburbs, cause when I walked <laughs> in and they had the S1Ws, you know, stepping and, and shit, and they was they had the shit, and I'm just <laughs> I walked in like, what the fuck is going on? So I, that was the show, and I remember after the show, we were outside standing on the on the on the, on the side of the street, and Shadi pulled up in a Cadillac, and and I want to say he had a fucking cell phone, one of them old like when cell phones the big first, gun. yeah. And he just pulled up. And that was my first time seeing a rap superstar up close and in person. I was just like, my jaw dropped. So that's what Shy D was for me. You know what I mean? Like the first, even though he wasn't, Mojo was the first guy who, who who's on wax here. But Shy D was the first rapper who was, even though he was born in New York, he, we always considered him from Atlanta, but he was the first one that left 285 with his music. You know what I mean? Right. Because how he found Luke Skywalker to even get signed back then anyway is is amazing, you know. But then when you look at the kind of music that he made, it just had a little more appeal than, than everybody else's. And even when I started DJing with him, we were in Texas. We were in California. We were in um, Louisiana. We were in South Florida. Like, because Shake It was his biggest record, which right. I didn't know at the time. I liked the, the 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 hood shit that he had. The Gotta Be Tough and and the Pink Panther. No, he was getting booked for Shake It, which made me look at, that was the beginning of me looking at how these how music worked. Shake It was on the radio. Right, but I hated it. I, I didn't hate it. I knew that was a, before I even knew to call it commercial, I knew it was a commercial record for him. And I knew that that was a record that probably was bigger than other without even knowing it, you just know this. Some this, we in my mind, I would, I would have said this is some bullshit. I just call it some bullshit. I, I get it, it worked, but no, nah, I, I like the rap will never die and the bust this and all that shit. But when I started DJing for him, I was like, oh shit, he going to California, he going to um, Mexico, he going to uh, 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 Texas. And back then, in the in the early nineties, for me who had never, I'm, I was born in Orlando, Florida. So that was my thing, back and forth to Orlando. That was pretty much my thing. And when I started traveling on the road with him, I got to go places very early um, and get exposed to how people consume music other than what I thought was the, the shit, you know. And at that time, did you think, you said like Luke has this model of not just a singer or not just a DJ, but like producer owns the mm -hmm. label. Is that, is that where your mind was going? No, not even. We didn't know none of this shit was possible. You know what I mean? I was just a kid DJing on a DJ crew when I got a call like, yo, Shadi looking for a DJ. So that's how it started for me. It wasn't like I was DJing like, yo, one one day, I'm going to be on the damn stage. I'm going to be in New York in front of everybody. I never, that just wasn't a reality for me. So it's just like a kid in the basement breakdancing. 
you know, he don't think that shit gonna take him, <laughs> you know what I mean, to the 50, the 50 year anniversary of hip hop. If you, if you wind up on that stage and you were part of the first breakdancing crew in New York back then, that ain't what you were thinking when you started. So that's what I'm saying. I, in my wildest dreams, in my wildest dreams, even when I go into my studio now and I see all the plaques on the wall, it's, it, it, it's very humbling because you never thought that that would be you with a, with a plaque. One plaque would have been enough. I could have quit. Give me, give me a plaque. What was the first one? It was, it was one that I really didn't earn. And it's at my mom's house to this day. Uh, I gave it to my mom. Uh, it was for the So So Deaf uh, Bass All-Stars album with my boo. And the reason why I say I didn't earn it is because they approached us. Uh, me, and I, I was working with Shadi at the time to put a record on the album. And I didn't want to be a part of I, my ego. I was on some, I don't know these guys on this album. I, you know, this this finna be some commercial knockoff shit. So all we did, we did a skit on the album and that shit wound up going gold. <laughs> so I got a plaque. You keep saying, you keep saying commercial like it's a dirty word. Back then it was to me. Oh, I'm I'm I come from I'm I'm the grimy as far as what this culture is to me. Back then, I was so closed minded, but and the art form meant everything to me. So if I didn't respect you, respect you as an artist, I couldn't I couldn't work with you because I came from the mixtapes, the 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 guys who actually we were the radio for this music down here before we had ninety seven point five now one oh seven nine. We were before all that shit. So I was a part of that. So I, I was the authentic shit. I was the gateway to the dope boys. So I had integrity. So if I didn't respect what you was doing, and that was the first time I saw that was some stupid shit. <laughs> I say all that to say, I realized how dumb that train of thought was when, when, I, when I got that plaque and I felt like I didn't earn it. Well, this is this is another conversation that came up recently. This concept of what the sellout used to be, mm-hmm. right? So you and I grew up in a time where, like, so let's say for that time, late eighties, early nineties, like you two and Bruce Springsteen, mm-hmm. like they will never fucking do a beer commercial. If they did, then forget it. Okay, right? Like that's never gonna happen. Mm-hmm. That's the true artist, right? Right? And you know, a pop band might do it. And I feel like now it's almost it's almost the opposite. You can come out in a commercial. Everything can, is opposite now. Right. And this idea of, and again, I feel like it's a, it's a young man's thing to say, like to point a finger. It's like, well, you're a sellout. Cause I liked you when you were small and you were just this band that me and my friends liked. And you know, again, pre-internet, pre-social. Right. You, if you, if you met the other kid that like wore the Houdini t-shirt to school, you were best friends. <laughs> right. right? Or yeah. like, or like on my side, like Elvis Costello, like he wasn't on the radio. So if I found a kid to listen to Elvis Costello, we were going to be best friends. Right. Okay. So you have been a part of and produced some rather large commercial worldwide but his, <laughs> sensations. His, 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 it's funny. I was in the studio last week and we in here cutting a record. Of course, it has some racy lyrics to it or whatever. But while we, they're writing the record, they start talking about radio versions. I said, well, I don't give a fuck about a, a radio version. We finish the song, and then when we get done, then we worry about what the clean version. I never made none of my records to be big. Never. I never went in the studio and said, we about to make this number one a big. No, we, we just went in there and jammed out. That's it. And it, it just connected. It just connected with people. But, but that comes from, to me, we approached, we approached it from an art form, though. Like, we approached it from, from a music place, not from anything else. It wasn't influenced by... 
because first of all, we didn't we didn't know that it would be exposed to a, a large group of people. Take "Whistle While You Twerk" for example. You listen to the, the lyrics of that record, literally talking about strip clubs inside of 285. We literally thought that that record wouldn't leave outside of 285, but we said we're gonna make the best strip club record for Atlanta that we can make. When you listen to the lyrics, they literally calling out strip clubs in Atlanta. Next thing you know, I'm looking at the sound scan. They in L.A. buying this shit. We jumped up, we jumped over the whole country and got a fan base in L.A. They connected with it. How was that? So what year is that? Oh, wait. 99. Oh, 99. Way back. So how is that even possible? 2000. Honestly, I don't know. I don't know. Back then, the way we worked, because we, we weren't on radio, um, the record pools were big for us back then. So we would surface record pools all over the country, which would, you know, street DJs, radio DJs, all the DJs. So you had to have a record that walked. So we I, we knew our music had to walk. Like, you give it to somebody and walk away. Or somebody else, you, you might not even meet the DJ who playing your record. But I was taught, you got to get them in the first 10 seconds. You get, you got like 10 seconds on putting pushing play on something before somebody got it. So I think our music was good enough to catch people quick. And I think, you don't know who's going to gravitate to you. Look at Wobble. This shit flopped. Who knew it was going to be a... You think we were thinking about weddings and shit like that when we was in the studio making that? No. You but, just don't know. See, this is what, so I was thinking about that too. So like if you, you would put, you would put Wobble in the same uh, lineage as Electric Slide, mm-hmm. Macarena, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. However, I feel like maybe I'm wrong or maybe you can't answer it because you're too close to it. But I feel like those, like, like those are like joke songs, like, like, especially Macarena, like everybody kind of right. knows the Macarena's bullshit, right. but the Wobble's not bullshit. Well, it was never meant to be a line dance. It was not. It was not a line dance when we made the record. Well, they, I don't think any of those guys meant to, did they? Uh, well, I think the electric slide. Uh, I don't know about the macaron. I I don't know. I can't speak for that. But all I know is, for us, the wobble was just one big jam session. So you feel the the musicianship and the artistry within that record. And thank God, somebody in the Midwest put a dance. That's all I can say. But so I you don't even know who. I can say this. When, when we when we finished the album, we went up to uh when we went out to L.A. and and played the album for the the label uh, we we were partnered with Warner Brothers. We had another record coming out after Get Silly, which was the song for Vic that uh, popped, and we had another we had a follow up record that kind of sounded like Get Silly that we were thinking about going with. We played Wobble for the staff immediately. That's what they wanted, and they they, they the staff at Warner Brothers when they heard the album, they heard Wobble because we would have never. I ain't gonna lie, I would have never put that record. But they were so adamant. They were so adamant of, of why would you have I, never why would you have never put that song out? Because you gotta think we coming off of Soldier Boy. I'm coming off, I'm 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 coming from Soldier Boy into Vic, who's coming off a of Soldier Boy-ish single. Right. We rolling. So why switch? But I'm no dummy. <laughs> I told you, I, I learned my lesson in the beginning of, of being stubborn and being stupid. And to be honest with you, the the staff at the label were all white. It blew my mind that this record, which didn't have a dance at the time, it was just a good-ass song to them. And we were about to go and put another, you know, get silly-ish on the song out. But right. then after we left that meeting, we was like, fuck that. Because it's not like we didn't like Wobble. It was like, we're we going to put this record out. It flopped. Got him, got him dropped from the, um, the label. And um, two years later, two, three years later, the dance popped up. And the rest is history. So it was released... And DJs in the radio didn't want to play it, thought it was stupid. No, it's funny because I just found, I was cleaning up some shit and I forgot we had uh, sheet music 
as a, pro, a promo item that we had the sheet music because the horns and stuff on the record. So we, I don't know what we did with the sheet music. We just had a bunch of sheet music. Uh, I don't know if we went and gave it to the high schools or whatever we did with it, but I ran across that uh, for whatever so do reason. You think, do you think, let's just, let's just, uh, what's the word? Let's speculate. Because it's a kind of song that, I don't know if you're in your car and listening to it doesn't really do much, but like if it's, if, if somebody plays it, if they're at an event, it just be, it just, it just has a different feel. Well, even I, I would, now it does, but back then there was nothing that it sounded like. When we tried to put it out, there was nothing on the radio, nothing in the streets. It sounded like nothing. So i never forget, um, somebody, uh, I had a lot of people think that it, we were going for a go-go feel because of the percussions in the record. And then you have people, i never forget the first time I went to um, New Orleans and, and heard it down bourbon. I kept the, I knew it was a, this was after it was popular, but I didn't know that it was popular like that. It was a Mardi Gras where I was walking down bourbon and everybody was playing that shit, but it's because of the horn instrumentation. So I just think people, I think people just like good music at the end of the day. Some shit just good, man. That's one of them records that's, it's just a good record. Well, I feel like there's this, you and I could have this entire conversation for however many hours called what is a hit and people say well you know it when you hear it sometimes a lot of times but everybody's trying everybody is trying to do it's what you have done it feels like at least like you said like once once they like to have a you know what i mean right some you know uh thing that everybody was talking about and everybody was doing even if it was for a season right or a year right and so you you seem to have uh, you seem to have figured out something, and I want to know if you have any idea what that is. No, <laughs> I don't. I don't. I, you know, honestly, I, I even when I when I'm out and I hear that these records out now, I just have to, you know, I thank God. I'm like, yo, how did I how did I come up with that? Like, where did that come from? Like, I could be somewhere and I hear Trap Star, Young Jeezy, and it's like, wow. And I actually played everything on that record. Um, where did that come from? I don't know, but I'm at my best, honestly. I'm at my best when I'm not trying to do anything in particular. I'm just in the studio, and I, I'll go on these uh, tears to where I might, for two weeks, something inspires me. Like, uh, I went on a tear, uh, a partner, a bunch of old records, and I don't sample. Like, so I just went, and for two weeks, I bought a little one of these new uh, digital turntables, because I still, back then, I still had the old turntables that couldn't hook them up to the computer. I didn't know how to do it, so I went and bought one of them with USB turntables. And for like two weeks, I just got fucked up at the house and sampled a bunch of shit and just made a bunch of beats for nothing, for no reason. Now, within that batch of beats, there's something special in there. But when I go in the studio with somebody who's looking for... That's when the magic don't happen. Right. Even right. even Wobble. Wobble, and I keep going back to these records. Wobble came, the way Wobble was made, that was what, 07, 08? That, that was 08. So I was in the studio with an R&B group, and I was bored. We was getting ready to leave. I had my headphones on, and I told the, actually, the, I, I sequenced that in my keyboard, which I normally don't do. All I had was my keyboard, my motif, and I just sat there and I beat out the drums to wobble while they was talking in the studio. I just had my headphones on and I beat out the drum. And I'm, I'm over there not paying no attention to nobody, just, just vibing. And after I got through, I said, before I go, I told the engineer, I said, man, bounce this down for me. He bounced it down. What does that mean? Uh, copied the tracks into the computer. We was Pro Tools at the time. So I said, bounce it down. We tracked it out and it was on my, my hard drive. And there it sat. I forgot all about it. My brother, who works with me, is good for going through my hard drive 
and finding shit for, for the artists that we we're working with. So he took the drums off. All it was was the percussion and the 808 and the hi-hat and the claps. That's all it was. And he found it. And that's how that's what started Wobble. And then you just, you're with a particular artist. You say, what do you, what do you, how do you feel about this one? And they start going. Well, for me, I won't play. See, for me, I won't even play that kind of shit. My brother will play it. Or they'll stumble up. If I, if I just made a bunch of beats, if I did a, a beat CD or something, I just threw it. I say, you can't, it can't hurt to put this shit on there. But I don't think they're going to pick this. Even back to Trap Star. I didn't think Jeezy was going to pick that beat. Because I had a, I had some more shit on the, on the beat CD that I did that I thought he would have picked based off what I thought he was looking for. So was before all, I want to back up a little bit, was before all this, uh, wait, before all this? Wait was 05. Right. Was that, so was that, was that the first one? That was the first, that, that was the transformation. Yeah. That record right there. So bro. who said, what if we just whisper this whole fucking thing? I did. <laughs> no one had done that. Nope. Not to my knowledge. No. I mean, I guess you could Google it. Maybe people had done it in the middle. But nobody yeah, not, said, not what, if whole, we, what if we just whisper the whole thing like we're whispering to the girls in here? Right. So you said to them, why don't you try this? Yep. And we weren't even in the studio. They hadn't even heard the beat. I was telling them about the beat. We were in New York doing something, and we were standing outside of a restaurant waiting on our car. And I was telling them about the beat. And uh, I don't know if they came with, with the lyric first, or I said, let's whisper the shit. I don't, I don't remember how that happened. But when I heard the combination of them whispering, wait, do you see my dick? That was like the most. <laughs> I can't even say I, I thought it was genius at that time. I, I, thought, I just thought it was funny as shit. Just you in the club and you lean over to a girl and you say, wait, do you see my dick? That shit is fucking genius, man. It's genius now. So, but if you'd have asked me, we, I wouldn't have never put that record got leaked. I wouldn't have never put that record out as a single. I would have put it on the album, but I wouldn't have put that out as no single. So it got leaked, and the response that people had to that record was so, you know, the rest is history. Um, the, and the only reason why that record didn't go bigger than it did, the first batch of research at radio came back very bad, which is where they do call out, and they, you know, it just researched horribly on radio. So back then, and still now, we were damn near number one. When that research came back, it, all the stations just started dropping the record. Just started dropping. But the streets didn't. Yeah. So it sounds like you had this idea. You once had this idea that if I'm if I'm loved by the streets, I don't care about anybody else. And and now that's not really where it's at. I think because I come from a, being a DJ, because at the time I wasn't even looking at it as the quote unquote streets. I come from mixtape DJing, right? So the younger I am, the closer I am to what's what's really going on. Because I'm the DJ playing the shit that's popping. You know what I mean? So it's immediate. Right. You don't have to wait for the feedback. Right. Right. So all my records, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get the, the response that the records that I get play that I didn't make. So I, I have, I have inside trader information, if you will. So when I'm making these records, man, I'm just in my mind for whatever purpose, um, the gumbo in me, the, 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 he was born in Orlando. He was raised in college park. Um, he was a DJ, um, for Shy D, um, all of these things that are part of my history, um, even being able to travel outside to like the 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 Cali and Texas and uh, to see other people. The fact that when I went to college, I was my freshman year, my freshman year, the whole floor that I was on was Northerners and Midwesterners, New York, Detroit, Chicago. That was all that was up there in a senior dorm and I'm a freshman. So all of these things shaped 
the way because they would come to my room. I was selling mixtapes, you know, trying to ask me why. Why you ain't playing this Tupac? I remember somebody asked me about Tupac. Man, Tupac was garbage to me back then. <laughs> Until he made the Me Against the World album, I thought Tupac was garbage because the beats. I couldn't get the beats. It was just a bunch of noise to me. But when he made that doom, 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 so many tears. I was sold. I was sold because it had that drop in it. So I will always keep. I will always stay true to to to, to what I do, uh, no matter what influence. You know, take the uh, halftime record that the Saints that the Saints play every time they score that that I did for Yin Yang, which is a HBCU uh, inspired band record. Uh, up under all of those horns and congas and all that Wait, shit. Man, you're going to write a song. You're going to be an Atlanta man. You're going to write a song. We, we, we didn't do it for them. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Oh, they, 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 they took it off. They, they, they found it and they, the owner's daughter wanted to play it at the games. And when she did, the rest is history. So fast forward to his in a MasterCard commercial now. What song is it? Uh, Halftime. Stand up and get crunk. Can you play it? Yeah, yeah. Well, let's give you a few cents if I play it right now. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, have no, I have no idea how the music business works. No, you, you, you can get it for free, man. <laughs> That's it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So they call you or your manager and say, we want to we wanna play this in the stadium. Well, no. They don't call us to play it in the stadium. They call us to uh, put it in the commercial. But when uh, they start, when they start, so if they want to play it in the thing, that's just part of the whatever ASPCA, whatever. Yeah, they, they deal. But if if they want to actually use the record for something, that's when they gotta come to us, right? And you know, we'll we'll say yeah. I'll never say no. <laughs> I don't turn down no money. So you, so you don't care what commercial, what company. There's no company you would not do business with. Well, there's always a line, but it would have to be something that you'd be like, okay, I see why you wouldn't do that. But for the most part, nah, it's just art. You know, why would I say no? I would say it's free money, but it's not free money because, you know, we, we worked hard on that music. I have a lot of songs that we still uh, license for a lot of stuff. You, you, are you in a bunch of video games? Um, not a bunch. Um, that song is actually in, in, in a early Madden. Um, that song right there did a few video games. I can't remember what they are right now. Um, but no, we do mostly t- television and, and movies. All right, so let's talk about Soldier Boy, which was the one. That was the biggest one after... Uh, after uh, Whisper, right? Was yep. that the next big one? Mm-hmm. So that whole uh, genre, mm-hmm. if you will, uh, do you feel responsible for it? I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm a part of it. I won't say responsible. Um, I was the platform for it, you know, because I gave Soldier a platform to present what he had to the world, you know, and so in that respect, yeah. But from a creative perspective, that was that was him. I was just like the I'm the coach. I'm um, you know, and with, I, with, with a you know you can have Patrick Mahomes, but with a bad coach, he's not Patrick Mahomes that goes to five right. conference finals. Right, and, Brady needs Belichick. Right, so that's I'm I'm Belichick. Uh, and you said uh, Soldier Boy should have been on stage the other night. Right, because how how do we justify sticking him in amongst I don't know how many other artists in 50 years of rap music? How do you not? How do you not? How do you? Not? <laughs> so this is why I said that. And I, I'm, I'm, I, I, don't, I have no complaints on how they did it, by the way. That was just my humble opinion. If you read what I wrote, my humble opinion, he should have been there. Because if you're going to go all the way from where hip hop came from to where it is, when you put Lil Baby on stage, that's when I say 
who's responsible for where music is right now? More than any other artist in music, who ushered in everything that we know about how to sell, market, produce, everything about music, who ushered that in? Soldier. We were the first to sell three million singles on um, Apple, what you just pulled the song up on. So we were a lot of first on where music is today, not where it came from. So when you start saying, where are we today? I don't know how you, you, you can't. More, he's more responsible than any other artist for where music is today. From how we sell, not how we sell it, but how we market it, how, they, how, how we sign artists. Nobody was going on the internet to look for fucking artists before Soldier. I made sure we put that in the music video, though, because that's what, how it really happened. Fast forward to the day, that's the business. You, you sent him an email and said? I hit him on his, um, on his two-way. But that's the <laughs> business. R.I.P. two-way pagers. Right. That, that, that's the people business. Listening, young people listening have no idea what a two-way pager is. Google it. <laughs> I, I swear to come up. But you, you got to think, that's the business model today. What we did is responsible for how music business is done today. That's why he got to be on that stage. If regardless of, 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 of we, we, we can get from a creative or whatever, that's null and void to me when you start saying, because a partner of mine argued with me saying, you know, because it's the Grammys, they looking at it on a more artistic. I said, well, you know, no disrespect, but if you got little baby up there, you're not, that, that don't go in, that don't go. So, which little baby is up there to represent now. I right. get that. But how did we get there? From where Soldier is, which was now, that was 07. It's 2023. That's a big gap of influence. So that's why you got to put him on that, that stage. You got to. The uh, whole TikTok dance shit. What do you think? What was the dance that put this whole shit on the map? Crank that Soldier Boy. What, you, have to, you had to have seen that Atlanta episode, right? Which, which Atlanta episode? The Crank That Killer episode. Uh-uh. Oh, oh, oh Atlanta. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You had to have seen yeah, that yeah, episode, yeah. sir. Yeah, yeah. I stumbled up on it because nobody told me about nobody it. Nobody texted you? No. I, I stumbled Soldier on it. Soldier didn't tell you? No. I haven't spoken, spoken to Soldier in years, man. But I did stumble up on it. I did stumble up on it. So, I mean, they're clowning on a little, but not really. Well, I guess that, that's kind of my question is that is that there's definitely people who want to clown on that whole on Fabo and all that stuff. Well, I look at a lot of the stuff that we did that in the moment wasn't a part of the cool table at the lunchroom. But my catalog has aged very well. So the, you might have artists that might get more critical acclaim than Kylie Paul, but every party, every mix show. We have records that's going to be a part of every, currently, you got to run through something that came through Collie Park. Now, a lot of artists can't say that. Artists that you deem up here, way up here, you might hear a record from this guy every once in a while, currently. And they can tour, their brand might be bigger, but the impact musically on the culture, ain't too many people really impacted the culture more than we have. Even my, even my smaller records, Walk Around the Club, Fuck Everybody, that record still... <laughs> That record still gets played. Well, again, I feel like you kind of figured it out because you, you're, you know that, you're proud of that, you know your legacy, and you can walk around like a normal person. Yeah. Right? That's, that's, the, that's the most beautiful part about right? it. Right. That lady didn't know who you were. Right. Right. That's, I mean, that, that's- I feel like that's perfect. That, that's actually, it's, it's actually a blessing because I never not want to be able to go. I love walking around the grocery store. Right. I, if I can't walk around the grocery store, I'd be miserable, man. 
who wants to go? And it's funny. Every time I, I think I should cover up or whatever, I say, so many people, I don't feel like fucking with nobody today. Put my hat on, put my mask on. As soon as I step into the spot, they're like, oh, hey, Smurf, what's going on, man? I ain't seen you in a minute. You know, so. But no, man, that that's the cool part. Because it really, I, I, I didn't get into it for that. The, the big stunt on folks and flex on folks and to have more money than this person and to drive the, 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 the biggest car. I, I didn't get into it for that. My... When I when I'm somewhere and I and I see the response of the people when my music comes on, that's what I got into it. That's that's the ultimate gratification for me. So let's talk about what you're working on uh, more recently. The most recent oh, we, stuff. We we having fun right now. <laughs> yeah, we just having fun. Right I mean, now. it 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 appears that way. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, <laughs> so I, I don't know how I say this with a straight face. Uh, twerking at the hoedown. I mean, yeah. how do you even say it without saying? <laughs> right. I mean, right. so so now, is this just like you just enjoy playing in this? Because I know there's another the one that's the the, the favorite jeans one. That, right. That, that comes out Friday. That comes out. Uh, get get it on your pre-download now. Right. Um, are you just having fun, kind of playing with this yeah. this country rap genre? Like this, yeah, just the mood but, you're in. Yeah. But just just because I feel like from from where I come from in the hip hop community, I think they taking this shit too serious now, and they're not taking it serious enough. So when I was turned on to the country rap shit, I was exposed to a bunch of rappers who still take pride in the actual art form of rhyming, which blew my fucking mind. Like, yo, they really care about the quality of the content from the delivery of it to, and, and most of them sing, like, without auto-tune, which the song I'm about to put out got auto-tune on. It's just a, it, it was a, it's a throwback from the talent, and it's an older um, audience to uh, country rap. And so I just said, a, a partner of mine who was, you know, dabbling in it for a while had been trying to get me to do production for some the country rap artists. And I was like, man, I ain't fucking with no country rap, man. I was, but then when I, when I did it, I just had that twerking at the hold down song, half ass done, just laying around. And I sent it to him and said, what do you think about this? He was like, yeah, man, that's it. That's what I'm talking about. So we put it out. And now, um, what would be cool though, it would be able to find an artist that I could do a project on. That's that's the ultimate goal. Like a whole album. Yeah. Not just. Right. Right. I mean, how do you even measure success now? Because the way stuff is consumed, that's, you know, radio almost doesn't matter. Right. You hit the right, you hit the right TikTok audience and forget it. It's, it's funny that you say that because when TikTok, um, I ain't gonna say when it blew up, but I had a record. And I was like, let me see what this whole TikTok shit. And I, I you know, you can run campaigns. With, with TikTok, you can you can actually get with people who actually work TikTok, and we'll leave it at that. So I had this record, this artist that I had did. And I said, let me just to just to see what it is. Let me just run this campaign, and I paid I paid this guy to promote on TikTok. And at the very same time, say Ayaya went viral on TikTok with nothing. It became the top one of the top five biggest songs on TikTok for that year, two years ago. So I'm sitting here looking at the record that I ran the campaign on, did little or nothing, and a song that I it was just in my catalog. And the kids found it, and they started making videos to it, and that shit went through the fucking roof. And so it's like now it's you don't know what the fuck is gonna catch. You don't know because what what we what we had to our advantage, the type of songs that we made. Back then, it wasn't everybody wasn't making them. Everybody wasn't making twerk record. Everybody wasn't bent over in the camera twerking. Now everybody's doing it. 
okay, so now you can't do that no more. So now, even with the record that I got now, I'm not making songs for girls to bend their ass over. I'm making a song for you to listen to. And that might be the first, this might be the first song that I intentionally made for you to listen to what's being said. And just consume it and just enjoy it. Not take it too serious. My favorite jeans. My favorite jeans. It's a breakup song. It's a breakup song. It's actually funny. It's a funny ass breakup song. So, uh, but but that's back to the question. How do you define success? What will be success for you with this song? I mean, if, if the shit, you, you can have mon- monetary success, which if any of the other types of success happen, you're going to, it's going to go back to money if you own your shit. So I own my shit. So there's just levels of, 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 there's levels of success. You know, for me at this point, if it introduced me into that world significantly, that's a win for me without even making a bunch of money off. Now, if it popped and went number one, that's self-explanatory. So right now, I'm not doing this particularly for the success of it. I'm doing it because I enjoy doing it. And even when these songs do blow up, if the artist is out there performing it, you're not even there. Well, the beautiful thing about streaming, and uh, and I do DJ, so um, that's kind of how... You don't have to be there, though. No, 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 no. But, but that's cool because, again, I, I if I own the record, then... You own everything. Yeah. You're not behold, you don't have a, a label deal that where you're beholden to distribution. That's it. Partnership. Did you ever so you own yeah. all your masters since day no, one? No, no, no. No. All these deals were different. But most of my deals were partnership deals. So I do okay. <laughs> I'm not trying to get into your into no, your no, wallet, no, into no, your it's checkbook. All good. It's all I'm good. Just, I'm curious. Again, yeah. because it's like to try to explain it to my kids now, it's so it's so hard to explain. So, you know, my kids, like, so I have three kids, mm-hmm. and so, like, them and their friends, even before before TikTok, these dances were taken off. Like, what was, like, around the time of Soldier Boy, like, what was the damn other one? The, uh... Shit. Uh, Break Your Leg. Yeah, Stanky Leg. Yeah, yeah. Stanky so, leg. like, that, like, I would have never heard that song, but right. my kids, all, that's all they... You know what I mean? Right. Or I'll or I'll be in the or I'll be in the car and playing a song and they'll start singing. I'm like, how do you know that one? They're like, oh, that's in that's in the video game I'm right. playing. You don't know how they consuming this, which is it, it's never been a better time for catalog. This is the greatest time in the world to have records that people, from a nostalgic perspective, want to go back and revisit. They don't have to get up and go to the record store to go buy it. All they gotta do is this. And thankful for me. I have a lot of records that people remember where they were when they were out. You know what I mean? Like it, it, college days for, for most people, for, for my shit. Like, well, when we was in college. Oh, my God, that record right there. So I got a lot of that shit goes on. Right. So I, a lot of people still consume our old records. So right now, it's, it's a great time to, to have catalog that people, because streaming is a, you know, I hear artists complain about how much money they don't make. Um, and, and it is fucked up to a certain degree. But when you when you have ownership um, and not an artist deal, it makes a big difference. But most people are going to take the artist deal, especially when they're young, because they don't know yeah, any better. And they, if you if you want to get out here and spend your own money and blow yourself up, then you ain't got to take the artist deal. So that's why they're going to take the deal, because they haven't put the, put the work in. See, when you at the mercy of the label, if, if I come to you asking you for money, you ain't got no bargaining power. If you come to me trying to give me some money, then I can tell you what I want in exchange for your money. I don't want 100000 Just give me 10000 and, and I retain all this because I'm already rolling. I just need access to your roller deck and your contacts. That's all you there for. I don't re- or I don't really need your money. Just provide me some services 
and, and touch people who I can't touch. And I, I keep everything and give you a small percentage. So who's the people you can't touch? I mean, for, if you're a new artist, like if I'm trying to go to radio, if I'm trying to um, um, uh, uh, publicist and stuff like that, like things that the average person just don't know yet, you run into these same artists two years down the line, they'll be like, man, I don't know why I fucking did this. Hell, I can, I know this. I met this motherfucker last year. I don't need them for that no more. Like, it's just, you're going to sacrifice when you first get into this business. Don't be scared. Don't be so scared. You're going to get fucked. Your first deal, you're going to get fucked. Whether, whether it's on top of the table or up under the table, you going to get fucked because you have not built any equity into your deal. If you build equity into the deal, then you can dictate the deal. But if you just got a hot record and you might not have another one and timing is of the essence and somebody come and slap a bunch of money down and say, look, you got six more weeks on this song and it's going to be yesterday's news. What you want to do? You got a fucking decision to make. You can bet on yourself. Or you could take the check. That's just the game we play. Did you see the Murder, Inc. documentary? No, I didn't. I don't watch a lot of that kind of shit. Because for me, I lived my own version of this shit, so I don't, I don't watch a lot I, of that I, kind of stuff. Well, you know, like Irv put it out himself, right? Mm -hmm. And so he comes out as the hero in most of the story. I mean, mm -hmm. he talks about the stupid stuff that he did, but all those songs were, were big at the time, but... The reason I'm asking you is because I look back and I, I don't think a lot of them are songs that are going to be timeless the way that we look at. You know what I mean? Right. Like, but they're talking. It's a lot of songs like that. But they're talking about Ashante and, and Ja Rule. Like, they're the greatest things in the world. And they did. They sold a shitload of records. Right. But I don't want to hear them today. Right. Right. Well, that's, that goes to the point that I was trying to make. It's a lot of artists that might be bigger names and bigger brands, but their music not aging as well as our music. Did you run across hey. him in any of your feelings? No. I, 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 it's funny because he was on TVT where I did the Yin Yang deal uh, before I got there. I don't know how, how long before I got there. So that might be the closest time that I passed across. But no, nah, we never we never worked. I, I did meet Irv right after we did the Whisper song, matter of fact, because the guy who was A&R over at TVT and Irv were like this. So we went by the studio. And I forget. He's funny then too. He said, "Uh, but you gonna have to." He said, "You gonna have to find a a a, a hundred more ways to do that bass." He said, "Cause everybody finna want that shit now." That doom doom doom. I never forget that. That was some funny shit to me because that beat was so big at the time. And as a producer, he knows when people start coming, you gotta feed it. And I, I hadn't. I don't even think I had the David Banner record out at that time. But yeah, he was like, "You finna get a lot of offers for 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 working. You have to figure out how to keep redoing that shit." So. How do you even decide who to work with? I assume people they usually come to you people, a lot, but I'm saying everybody probably comes to you. How do you decide who to work with? Like even for these 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 couple songs you got coming out? Well, well no, those are um I'm just open to any of these country rappers. I'm just open. You know what I mean? Um, the producer now is undervalued. Um, you got a lot of you got cast as on the on the on the top of the food chain, but you you these you go on the internet and and, and license a beat. For for $50, $10, whatever they do. And um, so when it comes time to actually pay a producer what they're worth, they don't want to do that because they can go get little Ray Ray in the bedroom that, uh, that, that's that been sitting here listening to Mr. Collie Park his whole life and he'll do this shit for, for $75. Right, and, but you get and, what, and you, what you pay for. Yeah, but unfortunately that's, that's where we are. So I'd rather do my own shit than work with somebody or work with somebody who's, who's, who's not out. Yeah, I'd rather, you know, take that path than um, 
Because now, even with the artists that are out now, um, with the up and coming artists, they they conflate uh, 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 influencer success with music success, and I only respect music success when I'm in the, when I'm in the room. So, what? You, how many followers you got on TikTok or IG? While it does matter in marketing the the music, uh, it don't matter to me when we creating the music. So, if I can't sit in the room with you and you. Uh, I don't even want to say humble yourself or, 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 or mutually respect the dynamic of our relationship in the studio. Then I can't work with you. And you, you have a lot of that now. Yeah. But have you walked away from deals because of that or walked away from people? Yeah. 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 That's what really got me where I am now. That's got me fucking with country rap right now, you know, uh, because I want to, I, I like to do music. And then if the music is good, then the rest of that shit, we can start talking about the rest of this shit after we get the music right. But if we can't get the music right, for me, there's nothing else to talk about. Because I, I, I'm i not in on your social media followers or none of that shit. That's, that's, that's what you got. So I'm not a part of that. I am a part of the music, though. So, yeah. All right. Well, I always like to wrap up with a few Atlanta-specific-based questions. But I wanna, I'm going to get my camera out. Okay. Uh, this is the Atlanta Favorites Quiz. There are no wrong answers. Okay. What is your go-to order at Waffle House? I see somebody just do this. That's you? That's me. Oh, wow. Uh, chicken and eggs, egg white, scrambled with cheese, hash, regular hash browns. That's it. Nothing on we, them? Wheat toast. I'm, I'm playing. I'm trying, I'm trying to live, baby. Yeah, man. I ask everybody that, and I ask Gip, and that one went like, not viral viral, but a lot I, of people saw I won't saw say it. that's the one I saw. Yeah, that's, that's the one you one saw. I saw. Uh, Gip was hilarious, by the way. Gip's yeah. takes on the music industry is yeah. hilarious. Yeah. You ever work with him? Yeah, he was on the Smoke By Myself, Drink By Myself remix. He's actually in that video. Okay. Yeah. Um, what is your current favorite place to eat in Atlanta? Oh, man. To be honest with you, it, I don't have no clever hole in the wall and no shit. I'm a Papa Do's guy, man. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a Papa Do's guy. That's like my favorite spot right now. What about Baby Do's? <laughs> Papa Do's, man. Papa Do's. That's me. Uh, Publix or Kroger? Kroger, man. Publix for the rich people. <laughs> y'all, y'all. Hey, you know what, though? If, if you looking for somebody, you you, you can catch the the, the, the the so-called bougie women who's still in the gym, they shop at Publix. They shop, but I think they shop at Whole Foods. Well, yeah, but Publix. You got more Publix than Whole Foods. So Publix everywhere. Whole Foods, you got to go find them. All right. Uh, rank the Atlanta sports teams in importance to you personally. Falcons, Braves, Hawks, United. I can tell you at the bottom of the list is the United. The top, right now, the Falcons, Hawks, Braves. I'm missing one. Who am I missing? You said five. Braves, four. I said Braves. There's, there's yeah. four. So it's, it's Falcons, Hawks, Braves. Uh, why did we draft Marcus Mariota? Why do we pick him? Not draft. Why do we Why do we pick him? Out some home, home cooking with that damn coach. You said, why did we or why didn't we? No, why did we? Because the coach. Dumbass. You got a you got a league full of quarterbacks and you're gonna pick a dude with a losing record. The coach. Right? That that was a homeboy hookup. I know, but I, man, that was that was painful. Sometimes it is it's not more complicated than that. <laughs> this was a painful I mean, there's a lot of painful Falcon seasons. This one felt especially yeah. painful. Yeah, because he kept his ass in there too long. Way too long. Yeah. Um what is the best concert you've ever seen in Atlanta? The one I was telling you about, Shadi. Well, I saw Shadi. This is one of my first uh, hip hop concerts, and just so even the way the sound, like we take it for granted now, the, the sound, good sound crews and all that, and Eric B and Rakim was on that show too. So it was LL, Public Enemy, Eric B, 
Who am I leaving off? LL Public Enemy, Eric B, and maybe somebody else. But that that what that, what year was that? That had to be eighty nine. Because because I think you might, you you might be confusing two shows when because when you first said it, I went to a show at the Omni. That, the Fox, nah. Uh-uh. Okay, so this was the, Fox. the show that I went to at the Omni was Eric B, LL, uh, uh, EU. No, it was not EU. <laughs> Dayla was supposed to play and Dayla canceled and we were so mad because that's who we went to see. We love okay. Dayla. Right. Uh, that was at the Omni. That was the first time, you know, we're talking about the difference between downtown and the suburbs. Mm-hmm. That was the first time I went to a concert and they had the, they checked for guns on, on the way in. Oh, wow. We were, we were like, what is this? Wow. Back at, then, what year was that? At the Omni. They had to come bring them over. Wow. You know what I mean? And like, it was a whole thing. That's great. Um, uh, oh, man, you made me lose my train of thought. I made me lose my train or, of thought. Or, or I can give you another one that was more, way more recent, and it shocked me. The um, Was it One Music Fest when they did the Dungeon Family reunion? Right. Dre came out and right. nobody knew, and he performed the whole fucking show. That was one of the best shows as an Atlanta native. That I can remember seeing because, you know, anybody you go see, you know, uh, when you go see Hammer, he don't dance, but 5% of the time. We came to see your ass dance, not not rap. So Hammer come to one side of the stage, hit a move, then walk around for 10 minutes, then hit another move. For that Dungeon Family show, with Dre being up there the whole time, it was like sitting at a, a, a smorgasbord and being able to eat all you want. That show there was incredible. That, that's a That's a... Uh, I mean, how old is Hammer now? 60? He can't move that much anymore. Give a guy a hard time. Give a guy a break. <laughs> no, I'm talking about back then. We want to see Hammer dance back then. He didn't, he didn't dance the whole time no, back no, then? No, 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 no. Hell, I remember I went to go see him in um, Albany, Georgia. They had a show down at the college. And actually, Easy was there. I remember seeing Easy and Dr. Dre standing on the corner. I was like, <gasps> Watching MC Hammer in Albany, Georgia? No, no, no. They were just outside. Because I, I was down there with some of the guys. Shadi might have been down there with me. So it was like, you know, you got access to shit that everybody else don't have access. They were just, I remember seeing them just standing over on the side. Just. All right. The, the last question I always ask is, uh, who should I have next on the Atlanta podcast? Oh, man. Do they, they have to be from here? They don't have to be. You know who, who, who I like to hear talk? I don't like to hear people who see all this. And maybe it's just because I haven't run across Bangladesh shit get more. Who's that? Uh, he, he started out with Ludacris. He did uh, he did a Millie. A Millie. He did a... Uh, Fuck, Beyonce, you got you to gotta Google him. All right. Khalees, fucking, he did What's Your Fantasy? Uh, dang, he got some monsters. But he did a Millie, that's probably the book. A Millie, a Millie, a Millie, by Lil Wayne. He has a, a crazy catalog. Where, where is he out of? I think he's here. I think he's still here. Well, I actually met Shadi briefly at the uh, East Point show, okay. and I've been trying to get him on too. Oh, he'll come? He I'll says he out. will. Yeah, yeah. Can you? Can I, you I, I put in the word for please, you. Please do. That would yeah, be great because I've been trying yeah. to talk to him. But see, it, that goes back to me saying we have to tell these stories and because we're old school. We don't have to be in front of the camera all the time. And, and, and that hurts us because every time we say no, somebody else is saying yes. Ten people are saying yes. And then they're telling their version of the story. And so we don't come out here and do these interviews. All right. Well, I'm, I'm glad you came on, man. I appreciate it. I enjoyed it. I'm glad it worked out. There you have it, Mr. Kali Park. Thank you so, so much for making that happen. I really appreciate it. And thank you for listening. There are a gazillion, gazillion podcasts out there. You've taken the time to listen to this one. Now, do me a huge favor. If you're a fan of this program, tell a friend. Uh, always nice to get uh, reviews. People are always asking for reviews, but I would much prefer you tell someone 
about this show. Text it to a buddy, post it on your stories, whatever. Just let people know you're enjoying this podcast with great, great folks in Atlanta. More stuff coming soon. Love you. Miss you. Mean it. I have got to run.